Stupid fucked up, wicked high Don't you ever just wonder why We didn't learn the true history But now they're about to teach you and me All right, let me Yay. hit the burn. Hit the burn first. It's from the bong. Can I tell you what I watched last night for the first time? Oh my gosh. First time ever or first time in a long time? First time ever, the Notorious B.I.G. documentary. Or it's not really a documentary. It's a bio flick. I'm going to be honest, I don't think I've seen it either. It's on Hulu it and good? you have to watch it, dude. It is really fucking good i didn't know the whole story like yo he was like with lil kim for a while and like all this shit well welcome this is untold high story i'm liv i'm abby this is the super dope podcast that you're probably just getting into about what is it about i don't know history women weed all things i think a lot a lot of it is things that we think are important that we should have learned about that maybe you or i or someone that we know had learned about at some point Mm -hmm. but is new i would say to the general population and maybe people that we talk about someone who is in that field is like well i fucking learned about this person right you know but right 85 of the world probably has never heard of it Yeah. And think of all the cool shit that it's done. That's what I'm most interested in is those really high thoughts where you're driving down the highway. For example, when I was driving home from New York, who the fuck changes the billboards? Like, and how do you get that job? And what kind of qualifications Wait, have you not does it seen entail? People like painted on. Right. Well, I guess in the 50s and probably a long time ago, they like <sighs> legit painted them. Oh, like. I would assume, right? By hand, you're saying? I don't know. I or, think it's always been like a pasting situation. Yeah. Maybe they're just smaller pieces of paper. Because you've seen that sometimes where it's like little tiny squares and they like stick it on and then like tear it and off. And now I feel like it's 2020 and a lot of the billboards are like animated. Yeah, or have you seen those like tri billboards where it like rotates? Oh my god. And it's like and then I'm like, who the fuck invented that? Like these are the thoughts that I have when I'm high in my car. And that would be a good thing to see. Yeah, digging into that. And then kind of narrowing it down even further and seeing if any women were involved. Yeah. You know that they do have like if you look at billboards, I don't remember who told me this, but now I look at billboards all the time. Mm -hmm. And there's like a little black plaque at the bottom Mm -hmm. of the ad right above the lights and that's who owns the billboard. I don't remember what the companies are but there's like three or four big ones. Well I'd imagine it's the same business setup as like a parking lot. Or like, you know, like a parking garage. Like you literally come and park your ad there for X amount of time. Yeah. You pay to rent out the space. Yeah, you like rent the space out from. But somebody else owns it. Yeah. Like that, Mm. I remember when I worked at that restaurant in St. Paul that was like attached to that parking garage, remember? Oh, yeah. We would talk, you know, I would smoke cigarettes with the fucking parking garage owner all the time. And he's like, I make millions of dollars off this parking lot and I do fuck nothing he's like i literally like minimal repairs i have to hire what three maybe four people to employ maybe. you know full-time yeah. for the box well, but that's on a schedule time day full-time night yeah to part-time villains that's it you know exactly it is a money making well, scheme think of the ones who like don't have tellers now and it's all automated it's a good deal oh you gotta God. get in on it you gotta right. do it high tangent <sighs> over it's over yeah. we're let's... ready to dive deep into some topics cause... let's dive deep i have a crazy crazy little story for you so i did not choose a specific person this oh. week so i was reading this article on instagram i believe it was sparked from there or maybe it was Pinterest anyway it was casually dropping the term misogynistic terrorism I feel like I've heard of this before but only recently I mean have you have you I have no idea what it is I think I've read it on Instagram you can take those two words though and kind of develop an idea because I'm gonna say the most I think I've ever like came across it and just been like oh what's that and then never looked any deeper right so I went ahead and did just a, a random Google search of 
of misogynistic terrorism. This is the definition that I got from Wikipedia. It's terrorism motivated by the desire to punish women. Are we going to get into a Handmaid's Tale situation? Well, we're going to get into... I'm going to talk about this massacre that happened in Montreal. I hadn't heard of it or learned about it. It happened in Canada. That's probably why. Oh, 100%. Neither one of us 100%. Ever... You know the, like, basics of Canada? Which is sad because they're I honestly, a Dude, like, I didn't. I needed to listen to this other podcast to learn about the regions and everything. I didn't understand what? really okay, how also, the breakdown of Canada. Okay, yes, I'm you terrible. You bad at geography. I know. You are I'm bad. a special case about geography so bad. that sucks. But, but I dude, think, I didn't know honest, anything about the history well, of Canada. How far away were you from the Canadian border? I mean, I was in upstate New York, but, like, I was south of Albany still. So we're so. six hours from the border right now. We're closer than I would have ever been growing up. But still, you live that far away and you didn't learn much, right? Well, so what are the basics? Tell me the basics you know about Canada. Um, we learned all about their colonization, when they got their freedom and their territories and like dialects and la la. You know, like very generic geography Like, stuff. did you learn about the native people there or like the first European settlers there who like stumbled upon Canada on accident because they were like looking for Asia? Both. But it was very brief like the excerpt in the chapter that was like fun facts but even then like i that. feel like it wasn't in my education at least it wasn't centered around canada it was centered around north america mm-hmm. that's how they talked about yeah. canada clumping it with us almost. yeah well think about for the first like however many years they literally were like africa africa's a continent not a country there are like Dude, yeah. 40 some countries within exact the continent. Exactly. Try again. Let's start over. So yeah, oh that and that brings me to my sources. Okay. I listened to this dope podcast. It's called the Canadian True Crime Podcast and it's actually hosted by this Australian woman. Oh. Which is really kind Wait, of hilarious. So this massacre is because of misogynistic terrorism. I would argue Oh, this is why I'm so happy I'm talking to you about this. I would argue both. Coined the term and, and then it was it. a catalyst for the recognition of that term. Yeah. Misogynistic terrorism. Like, so now literally there's a section in the U.S. defense, like, whoever those people are that scout out terrorism. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they go through the messages. They listen on phone calls. They That's NSA, right? To NRA, try to... NSA? NR, no, that's... National the Security... Right, NSA. Association, NSA. And the FBI and all these people who are assigned to, like, now there's literally a category of those people who focus on, like, male supremacy, like, anti-feminist terrorism <sighs> groups. Wow. Because after this dude, there have been many attacks that I won't touch on because yeah. I can't because it's too broad. Okay. So that was the whole thing. If also, I look at it, it this as, is really exciting that this whole term that you're choosing and then like the honing go- in on yeah. one example. I like this. This yes. is fun. Cool. Okay, so tell me so, more. Have Who you dies? ever heard of the Ecole? Super forgive my butchered pronunciations of the French language. Even though I took like six years of French. You took six years of French? Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm still going to butcher these. The Ecole Polytechnique Massacre is what it's called. It happened on December 6th, 1989. Okay. Is when this went down. It happened in Canada, obviously. What's going on in Canada at this time? It's the 80s, right? There's a lot of shit going down in Canada. There are multiple civil rights movements that are floundering. Regions are trying to become independent countries, very similar to Texas at the time in the U.S., (laughs) trying to become its own country. All, like, Quebec was literally trying to secede and become its own country. It didn't want anything to do with the government. There's political unrest, i.e., let me know if this sounds familiar, they switched from a conservative leader to a liberal leader. Huge shift, that's right? Good. I yeah. mean, in literally Switch everything that's up. happening. So the bills that are being proposed are about women's rights. They're about oh. black rights. They're about native rights. So progressive. It's progressive, Canada. but it's also, this is what's going on in the society and it's causing turmoil for people who don't know how to navigate it. Yeah. I'll just drop that little okay. nugget right there. Women's rights are a dominant topic in political yeah. debates, obviously, mainly in terms of employment and maternity rights. So this is where we're going to see, like, you know how we talk about working moms all yeah. the time. And the fact that they and get the almost a whole year. This like is when this legislation months. is going through the process of becoming a thing. 
that's what's going on in the government right now. Damn. See, um, and that was such a turning point. You know, exactly. It's like exactly. It paternity and maternity leave. Like, yeah. literally so... It changed the ground paper. of employment. It, I mean, it shattered glass ceilings, yes. In but the also, it that pissed we a bunch know. of people off. Think of those CEOs that are like... Hold on to that. I have to pay fucking how much? Yes. For Hold who to, to have that. a baby? This is going to be the deadliest shooting in Canada to date. Again, happened in 1989. Wow. So we weren't even fucking born yet. I'm going to re... It's going to sound a little scripty right here just because I want to make sure I honor the timeline oh, of like the events. Oh, like how it happens? Yep. Okay. So this is exactly what went down. The shooter's name is Gamil Garbi. That's his God-given name. He changed his name before the attack oh. to disassociate himself from his father because that's a whole situation that I'll get into just oh. a teeny tiny bit to Mark Lapine. So if you've ever heard in the news, he was referred to as Mark Lapine because that was like his legal name change at the time. So number so one. So he legally changed his name to murder a bunch of people. Well, it was because he had issues with it. So his father had abandoned them. Super abusive. There's speculation of, oh my God, he was so fucked up because his dad hit him so, like his dad used to hit him so hard that he would like bleed out of the ears and oh like God. mouth and like eyes and shit. Like, yeah, like he would be abused that way. He was abused emotionally. And then after like, and wow. the mother was too, all the while. So then the parents split up. The dad abandoned them, stopped paying child support, fell off the grid. Mom was a single mother, nurse, who like worked her way up from being the nurse to like the head of nurses of the hospital. And so a lot of people argue that his mother was a feminist and that's part of the reason that he felt so anti-feminist is because he was raised by one and he was abandoned. So that in addition to the fact that he was like abandoned by father, his father. Yeah. It's a abs- it's daddy issues. It's daddy yeah. issues is well, what they're trying to blame it on. How much you want to bet he looked at that and he was like, oh, because you're a feminist, dad left and dad did this to us. Boom. And it's like- Because his father 100% believed that women should be subservient. I mean, his fa- he was a stone cold ass hat, I'm just going to do a PSA. Watch what you say in front of your kids. Mm-hmm. Watch how you treat your kids. Mm-hmm. Watch what you do in front of them. They observe they everything. Know. They're little everything. sponges. Exactly. Okay, so this is my thing, and I don't want anyone to be, like, aggressive about this. I don't want to pay him a lot of detail, but it's hard not to talk about him. I'm going to be honest. I'm quite curious. Exactly. Him, so. so I want to respect the victims. It is it is about the victims, 110%. It's about the tragedy of the day and what this did for women and feminists yeah. as a whole. But it's impossible to even talk about that without addressing him and his story. There were a ton of factors. If I, who am not a licensed professional to any degree, could identify it, it would be a mix of his upbringing, his mental illness, and society. Yeah. Definitely. This was premeditated, and that's the perfect segue into this timeline of events. He had scouted out the school. He had been seen around campus at least seven times in the weeks leading up to the attack. Okay. He was not a student, and he was having difficulties becoming a student. Yes. So this is a very prestigious. It's a branch of like no. No. Hold on. It's a branch of the University of Montreal. Okay. And this was an engineering building specific for like engineering, just like we had our theater buildings that were just specifically for us. This was an engineering building. So then what happened is the day of the attack, December 6th, around Mm -hmm. four o'clock in the afternoon, he's seen at the registrar's office. He's sitting in the waiting room and he's silent. Somebody comes up to him, asks him what they can do. Oh, can we help you? Are you here for an appointment? What can we do for you? He doesn't respond. He's seen fiddling with something inside of a plastic bag. That's all we know. Red flag. Red flag. About an hour and 15 later, so it's like 5.15, he walks himself to the, I believe it was the second floor of this engineering building, where he walks into a classroom that has roughly 60 students in it. Mm -hmm. 50 of those students are men. Nine of them are women. He says men. All the men gather by the door. Women gather over here. I would just like to put an asterisk here and say at the time of which no man (gasps) decides to stay, help, question him, attack him, nothing. All 50 fucking men walk out. Oh my God. Did I say my sources? I should have said my sources. No, you said a podcast and like. Yeah, there's a podcast, Wikipedia, CBC News, the Canadian Encyclopedia and this website. Wait, but I need to know, pause. Was he like holding these people at gunpoint when he was like, all 50 guys go? Or did he just be like, Oh yeah, because, oh, that was the thing. He stood up in front of the classroom and he was like, everybody, men on this side, women on this side. And like, nobody fucking moved because they were like, ha ha, 
Okay, like, dude. Why? It was the and this was the thing. It was the last day of classes. So everybody just kind of thought it was, like, it was joke. like a joke. Oh, ha ha. Whatever. And then he took his gun and he fired into <gasps> the ceiling. And that's when everybody knew it was serious. Okay? So all 50 men leave. He's got nine women in there. Yeah. He has not shot anyone yet, but he's yelling about how he's gonna kill all of them because you're all feminists. And this girl stands up immediately without skipping a beat and says, actually, we're just engineering students. That does not necessarily make us feminists. We're literally just trying to learn. Like, what are you doing? Begging him. He says, because you're studying a man's occupation, (gasps) that's a direct attack against men. Don't you already have enough? Feminists have ruined in my life, he's saying. I've always been subjected to strong women. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. And then he fucking shoots all nine of them, kills six of them immediately. Three of them are wounded. Then he goes over to the presentation material that was being given at the time that he entered the classroom and he wrote the word shit on the presentation twice. What? And then he walked out and he walked down the hallway and he tried to shoot this girl and his gun got jammed. And so then he jumped into the stairwell to like fix his gun and reload his gun all the while. And he has like a fucking semi-automatic like (gasps) Like rifle, rifle. dude, like an AR-15, I believe it's called. Yeah. And he's like wearing the ammo. All like this a shit. Hunting right. Like, my God. So the gun gets jammed. Then he like proceeds to walk through the hallways. He's shooting through doors to kill people and succeeding because some doors have like, you know, they're like classroom doors. They have like windows yeah. and shit. He finds two women that are like hiding in a fucking storage cubby, slaughters them <gasps> right on the spot. Gets to the last classroom where he like open fires on the entire front row of the classroom because they were in the middle of giving like a presentation or there was like some sort of loud audio where they didn't hear any gunfire. So they were still fully in class, fully in a presentation. He comes in, fucking kills everyone in the front row, murders this other chick who was standing there. She gets shot and then she's like on the ground begging, begging, begging for his life. Then he takes out a fucking hunting knife and (gasps) stabs her three times in the chest, almost immediately drops the knife, takes his coat off, takes his hat off. Can I pause? Graphic content coming, just so you know. Wraps his coat around the gun, around the rifle, pulls it down, (gasps) says the apparent last words that are very famous in Canada, if you're from Canada and you know about this incident. He just says, oh shit, and pulls the trigger. Does he have like a, like what? Does shit stand for something? Is it an acronym? Okay, and also that whole thing that I just told happened within 20 minutes. So he started the attack at 520 and it was over by 540. He was dead. And he had injured 28 people. He had murdered 14. Oh my God. Yeah. There was a suicide note found on his person. And it explained why. Yeah, like three major things. He blamed it on like politics, society, the fact that he didn't get into the army because he was like, quote, antisocial. And it also contained a list of like other people that he wanted to murder, including a list of like female journalists, news anchors, and police officers that he had compiled. Oh, there was a list of like men too. Who support feminism. Who were pro-feminist yeah. so he felt that they also needed to be executed. Honestly this whole story just shows how important healthcare is and doctors and like learning about mental illness. Exactly. Oh this is the thing and this is gonna maybe sound a little scripty but I have written a little blurb here. So the issues this tragic event which that in and of itself is a controversial thing like Canadians do not call it a tragic event they call it a terrorist attack because they firmly believe that that is what it is because it was like a person with like solidified specific beliefs who targeted a marginalized yeah. group of people. Women are, whether we yeah. like it or not, women are, or it definitely yeah. were in the 80s, I mean, honestly, a marginalized I think group of people. it is an appropriate term to yeah. say, like a terror. It took them until literally last year, 2019, on the memorial, Canada changed the formal like stone memorial that they have in Montreal to say the words terrorist attack? Anti-feminist terrorist attack rather than just a quote-unquote tragic event. Oh my god. Okay. But failure to intervene and police time response were huge issues. Nobody at the university knew 
how to deal with this. They didn't know what to do. There was zero protocol in terms of a shooter, a gunman, a bomb threat, nothing. Like, Which is crazy to think about. You do that quarterly now at school. Exactly. Little kids in elementary school are doing bomb threat drills. Exactly. And like active shooter drills. So that's a plus that, I mean, came from this. Obviously, gun control and school shooting protocols became a very real fucking thing. Can I just say a tangent quick? Is it about gun control? Yes, you can. Yes. I'm going to say this about myself. I'm an active hunter and still you can talk about fucking gun control. Now I know about Canada, but Australia had literally one similar situation. One gunman. Mm -hmm. And they were like, fuck that. We're done. And they literally have decreased. There are no more issues. In nine years, it's like nine or 11 years or whatever when Australia did it, they have not had any killing by gun since they put this legislation in. It was so quick that they were like, like, they were like, oh my God, there was an active shooter that killed eight people. Done. I'm going to buy back all your guns. Exactly. You can keep what you need for hunting. We're going to heavily monitor and register it. But you this do you. This is such a like a menial like, example, but I'm literally going to tie this to what we were talking about before we started recording, which was the plants on my windowsill. I have a cat. I have a new kitten who knocks <laughs> off the plants on yeah. my windowsill. And I know that he does that. But you put them back. And I continue to put plants but on the fucking windowsill. That is what our government is doing with guns. Oh, people are killing people with guns. But... Let's not take away the thing that they're playing with. Let's just let, what the? Let's just give ah! them a slap on the wrist and go, that sucks. Oh, okay. But anyway, so yeah, so they made major gun reform. Bless Canada. Oh my gosh. Like, I thought his suicide letter would give me chills at least and like show that he was like fucking mentally really fucked up, but it was pretty cohesive and stupid. It sounded like like a Trump supporter, honestly, like a little bit. Is that bad to say? Okay, so yes, I talked about the anti-feminism. That was, I already talked about it. So I'm actually ahead of myself, which is dope. fun. Okay, so what happens next? So they did all those changes. Boom. They made a lot of So here is the really important thing. This is directly from Wikipedia, and I'm going to read it. It's going to be a little bit dry, but bear with me because it's important. In response to the killings, a House of Commons subcommittee on the status of women was created. It released a report, quote, the war against women, end quote, in June of 1991, which was not endorsed by the full standing committee. However, following its recommendations, the federal government established the Canadian Panel on Violence Against Women in August of 1991. The panel issued a final report, changing the landscape, ending violence, achieving equality. In 1993, that was June of 1993, the panel proposed a two-pronged national act action plan, which consisted of an equality action plan and a zero tolerance policy. Uh, And that was designed to increase women's equality and reduce violence against women through government policy. Critics of the panel said that the plan failed to provide a workable timeline and strategy for implementation and that with over 400 recommendations, the final report failed to make an impact. So you have your people that are always going to be against you, yeah. basically. So they were just trying to create like a zero tolerance yep. policy. The Canadians' for- women's movement sees the massacre as a symbol of violence against women. The death of these young women would not be in vain, we promised. Canadian feminist Judy Ribick recalled, we would turn our mourning into organizing to put an end to male violence against women. Damn. So in the U.S. since 2019, misogynistic or male supremacist ideology has been listed and tracked by counter-terrorist organizations as an emerging terrorist threat. They take that shit fucking serious because they know that it's a real fucking thing. Yeah. This is the other part that I struggle with. Like, there's been so much good that's come out of this massacre. For example, at the university, there's like scholarships. Yeah. Okay. Also though, that was a long dry paragraph and I need it summarized. What happened? So this committee was formed. This committee was formed and they like put all through, push through all these like really dope bills for women. So basically they were like, we need help. And the women were like, we're going to take control. We're We're going to tell everybody what's up. Okay. It was a little bit dry. I will. It was direct from Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, I mean, and not that Wikipedia writers 
are, are dry, but... <laughs> no, they're good. Factual. Factual um, folks. But so this is the other little thing I wanted to touch base with you on. So to talk about his mental health or societal factors that were also at play in relation to his attack, some argue is to belittle the terrorist attack to a mere manic break of a mentally ill man who is conditioned to react in such a violent way, i.e. the decision to psychologize, I guess is the word, psychologize. The murder is to depoliticize the massacre. And I want to know if you agree with that statement. Like to talk about it in terms of why he did it and what his rationale were are to belittle the actual issue at hand which is that there are anti-feminist groups and terrorist groups out there literally looking to just murder women because they're anti-feminist. Yeah, it's just hard because a lot of that ill thinking stems from a mental illness. So a lot of people with any type of mood disorder and even certain anxieties, if they're so bad and they're unmanaged. Well, yeah, people think he had like paranoid personality disorder and he was just like really mentally ill. And I don't want to assume that the literal millions of people in the world out there that are against one group or another or racist or whatever the fact is have a mental illness, but nine times out of 10, probably pretty accurate. That and their upbringing like I just think that in like addition in, to his upbringing yeah. in this like oh, yeah. pro-women like, society I want to say one in five people or something have anxiety yeah. whether it's like generalized anxiety or situational or social or whatever the case may be. So I don't know. I don't say it would necessarily belittle the fact that there are groups out there, but I would think I'd be safe to say that a large majority of the people in those groups are dealing with something that caused them to like hyper focus Mm -hmm. because that's what they're doing. They have one bad experience and then they're like, all women are like that. Right. All people are like that. They're out there. And there were several like, pro-feminist men who stood up and were like, this is not a reflection of the actions of all men. Like, we do not. Like, please don't let this man speak for us. But oftentimes it's just hard for people to dissimulate that. And I think people who are already paranoid and have an issue with their family and had a pretty terrible childhood are cynical. And they look at that part of people and think, well, if you're like that, Mm -hmm. what's stopping so-and-so at the grocery store and my neighbor next door and the random girl down the street. Yeah, the last sentence I have on this is that people claimed the Ecole Polytechnique massacre was the consequence of the absent father and the expression of a masculinity crisis. Wow. That was some heavy shit, but I'm glad I know about it now. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, and it ties in a lot to, like, involuntary celibates who are just, like, women owe them sex just simply because they're men. Yeah, because why would you ever say no to me because I'm gorgeous. Right, and and that's the whole thing. Or it's not even that I'm gorgeous, it's just, like, I'm a man and you're a woman and you owe me that's sex. That's what you're for. That's what you're And like for. that's yeah. the root of all this rape and then a subsequent murder and power and like oh Damn. it's just fucked up dude. I didn't realize how much it had given way to what we see currently and yeah I guess I just didn't fu- I was literally fucking shook like yeah. about misogynistic terrorism. Like of course it's a fucking thing. Of course it's a thing. But I just didn't know it was a fucking thing. So I was like I have to talk to Abby because yeah. she knows about this and you studied yeah you know that was a peace studies gender moment. studies like, and peace studies yeah and, it was a lot of human rights and yeah movements those things so you'd never heard of that though like the whole um, massacre situation never Mm-mm. what is massacre, what is no. the mass like what is the f- number one massacre when i say that word what comes into your head mine is like columbine i was about to say columbine right columbine I mean, I guess 9-11 is also a massacre. See, that's, that's, I don't know if I'd put that in the top five. A lot of minor school shootings. Think about the one that just happened recently down in Florida. Oh, at the what the fuck was that? Oh, the nightclub one. I thought you were talking about the Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook. Woof. Mm-hmm. The children. Yeah, but think about that. Like, I would say my top five are school shootings. Yeah. And another one that comes to mind, which I don't know if you know about, is the one in Oslo. Or not Oslo, but it was like a little island off the coast of Norway. Mm-hmm. And some guy, it was a children 
children's camp that was on a fucking island and some guy took the boat over and like held everyone hostage and shot a bunch yeah like literally a fucking children's camp and I only know about it because we had this foreign exchange student in my high school from Norway and she was going to go to that camp and got sick and didn't go and didn't go yeah it was like some fluke thing that she was signed up all paid everything and didn't go the last minute then she uh, finds out that was someone stepping in cool so that was a very enlightening topic yeah that's a crazy story and yeah mine's definitely not heavy at all it's very light it's not like about any deep seated issues things none of that stuff it's just a cool woman that i found that i think you will really love her she's from alaska dude remember when i was fucking that guy and he moved to alaska oh i forgot he like literally just up and left and never came back that was a big bong rip i just cleaned it look at how clean it is the bong i've just been using my little pen yeah that looks fancy wait do they have legal weed in alaska oh write to us i don't know yes or no I really, I honestly don't know. I feel like maybe, but I'm not quite sure. Okay, wow. How does this always happen? We're trying to talk about topics and suddenly it's like rabbit hole of random things. So I just want to say my sources because I'm going to forget. Okay. Because we always forget and then we end up having to list them at the end. NPS.gov, University of Washington Libraries, Aunt Phil's truck.com and then litsitealaska.org so all of these are just sites that want to share alaskan history so people know more about it dope yeah very cool so we're gonna dive in so whenever you would look her up her name would come up as sinrock mary because that was her nickname that was the name that she coined later on in her life but i don't want to use that name i want to use her real name so if i say sinrock mary i'm talking about the same person when i use her real name she was born changanak I think that's why she had a nickname, because a lot of the times people... Would butcher it. Yeah, or like wouldn't even want to try, and she'd get sick of it, and she was like, fuck it, call me Mary. But her real name was Changanak Antisarluk Andrewuk. That is her birth name. And she was born in 1870. I don't have a specific date about when she was born, when she died, because they didn't have good records at the time. But she was born in St. Michael. So do you know anything about the geography? Well, yeah. I watched that show, um, Life Below Zero. Oh. It's like one of the very, very few reality shows that I enjoy because it's about people, like, surviving in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And so they do this really cool thing when they jump between the subjects of that show. They, like, zoom out to a huge map of Alaska, and then they'll pinpoint the next location and zoom in. Oh. So I kind of know... You got an idea. So, yeah. I yeah. kind of have a general idea. Okay. So you don't need to know specifics but basically St. Michael is in one of the really large bays on the west side really close to Russia I mean you could take a boat in less than a day and get to Russia that's how close they are no shit Mm -hmm. like it's close and that's where her mom's native tribe was the Inupiat I think that's how you pronounce it I-N-U-P-I-A-T so her mother was from this tribe and her father was a Russian trader I don't know if they fell in love I don't know if they stayed together I don't know anything about that wait trade Trader like T-R-A-D-E-R or trader like T-R-A-I-T-O-R? Tra- like, like, was he a trader to his country no, no, no. or was he a tradesman? He was a tradesman. Got he, it. I don't know what he traded. I'm assuming furs, you know, pelts. So St. Michael was a pretty large town at the time and that's where a lot of the trading stations were posted and there was an army base up there because they were so close to Russia and like blah, blah, all this stuff. So the island had already at this time been completely taken over by foreigners. People from Russia came over, you know, and then the Americans yeah. at that time they were kind of all over the place so (laughs) we're both very animated speakers yeah so they're starting to figure out that gold was in alaska whalers whale hunters you know okay you Mm -hmm. pause so i want to make sure okay i know what a whaler is so they were doing it all the village that her mom lived in was right at the base of this river so they would meet all of these traders constantly so changanak started to learn obviously russian because her dad was from russia but then she also learned english and her native language all at the same Mm -hmm. time and all about the time she was a teenager. So she was already 
trilingual before she was even 20. Damn. Which is also really cool, too, because women at the time weren't given an education, much less she was a native woman of Alaska, so they even had less rights and less opportunities. So she learned all that stuff just from where she was growing up. And then her mom taught her a lot more of the traditional skills and practices. So teaching her how to hunt, teaching her how to fish, how to forage for food and preserve it, how to take skins and tan them and dry them and sew them to make clothing. and Yeah, yeah. So her mom, being Native, knew all those trade secrets and passed that along to her. So she was a very well-rounded woman and knew a lot of things. Well, so you gotta think, like, existing was literally your fucking job. Like, that's what you did. Yep. You hunted, you foraged, mm-hmm. you planted, you grew, you survived, you took after. You know, it's, I guess, the only place it could really be found today is, like, a commune? Yeah. That we would call well, it, you and know there what I mean? Like, still, communal there living are still where... native tribes. You have to think, there's a lot of native tribes in a lot of countries around the world still that do Oh, yeah, this. that's true, that's true. I guess I'm talking about, like, through, like, in, yeah, like a U.S. Oh, specifically the United States and even Canada? Yeah. I mean, probably in Canada, I would say that they're still... Actually, I wouldn't even know because they got taken over by the British, so I would assume... Because you have to think about... No, I feel like most natives like live... I have to do some more... Well, you have to think about that every single country that had native tribes got wiped out by the British. Because... and. Right. Sadly, part of the story is people getting wiped out, too, because the British come in or the Russians come in or the Americans come in, and what comes with them is all this other shit. And then they say, oh, my way's better, so just don't do your way anymore, even though their way is fairly practical and they've survived generations being just fine, you know, and, like, yeah, dumb. So... We get into a little bit of that. So it's, I guess it's not as light and airy as I made it seem. There's a little bit of colonization, gentrification, all that shit in there, too. Just a sprinkle, which I mean, there is, usually. Always. You can't have a story without someone being like, oh, yeah, they took over my country and they made me just, like, be a Christian. But, yeah, so in 1889, she falls in love with this guy named Charlie, and he's part of her tribe. He's part of the mm-hmm. same native heritage as her, but he's a tradesman. And they fall in love, and they get married, and they move across the bay. If you look at where St. Michael is, and you go straight north across the bay, mm-hmm. then there's this place called Cape Nome, and that's where they moved to. And I don't have any reason as to why they moved there and what the reasoning is because it sounded pretty shitty, honestly. There was no one there. Like, no one lived there. Like, moving to the country, but they moved, like, seven hours into the country. And they were living off of whale meat, seal oil, rabbits, and these tiny little birds called tarpmigans. And that's mm-hmm. all they had. So it was, like, her, Charlie, these five food groups, and that's all you got. And you just lived in your little shack in the middle of nowhere and lived off the land, which a lot of people in Alaska still do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's very common to Mm -hmm. live off the land and do those things. So they were doing really well, having a good time. But during one of the seasonal high points, I guess, of Cape Nome, they meet this guy named Captain Michael Healy. He would sail around and, you know, go to the different trading ports and stuff. And while he was there, he runs into Changanook and Charlie. Mm -hmm. They start chit-chatting and he realizes that they both know English and they're fluent in English and their native language. Huge assets, essentially. Yes, and he hires them because he is actually like, I'm happy I ran into you guys. I want to take a pause on trading and go down the coast of Alaska, and I want to take a census of all of the villages and see how many people are here and what they're doing, and he wants to just gather a lot of information about kind of what the history is in Alaska. He just wants to get to know the native tribes, get to know their heritage, and just find out some more information. And he can use these two as a way to communicate really easily. So they jump on board his ship. They're doing this whole thing with him. And then while they're going down the coast, Captain Michael starts realizing that there's native tribes and settlers there running into big bouts of just not having any food and having to go hundreds of miles into Alaskan wilderness to hunt and do all these things. And it can be very straining and treacherous. So, Dude, I have a small interjection, but I swear to God it's relevant. Oh, what? 
on that show I was talking about earlier, there's this episode where the guy is, like, out there hunting for food. He obviously has a camera crew with him, and, like, so you know that. You know he's not out there totally alone. But he essentially went further than he was planning. He went, like, five miles from his cabin. He was tracking this moose, and he fucking killed it, dude. And then he had no way of getting it back to his cabin, so the whole thing went to waste. (gasps) He had this huge emotional breakdown because he was like, I literally murdered this fucking creature and, like, wasted its life. He couldn't drag a full size moose five miles oh, back God, to his no. cabin. Like, he didn't have a sled with him. He had no way of getting it back. Well, and, and that's like, the thing is, by the time he goes back to his home, gets everything he needs, right. and then goes up there again, there's wolves. Exactly. I don't remember specifics, but he might have taken, like, a chunk yeah. with him that he could carry. Dude, and he was basically like, if I don't get this moose, I'm gonna fucking die out here. Yeah. He said that to the camera. He was like, this is my only way of survival, so that's nuts. Oh, see, now think about that. That's in modern day with a camera with all of these tools and everything and now right. we're looking at the 1890s where you have a bow and arrow that's made out of you know the random shit you find on the ground and a hatchet and maybe a few other like traps and that's it so obviously Charlie and Changanook know what's going on because they grew up in Alaska yeah. so they're like yeah Captain Healy this isn't new welcome to the club yeah welcome to Alaska I don't know where this comes from but he just has this random plan that they should all go and buy reindeer from Siberia because reindeer aren't native to Alaska. didn't know that. Yeah, didn't know that either. Nope. (laughs) When I read about that, I had to be like, where are reindeer from? (laughs) What? They're from Siberia. So Captain Healy was like, let's take this boat over to Siberia and let's buy a bunch of reindeer and let's bring them back to Alaska because with these harsh conditions, they'll survive. And then that will be a consistent food source and you pretty much like use them as cattle. Mm -hmm. They're just good for everything. Right, right, right. So Chengenak and... Charlie jump on board with this. They say, yeah, cool. That sounds like a good idea. We'll help you do it because we can go over there and we know the language and we can help you get this kind of all set up and get this going. So they travel to Siberia with mm-hmm. Captain Healy and his entire crew and Changanek brokers the deal herself. She meets with everybody. She meets with all the reindeer owners or the government. Right, whoever is in charge. Yeah, and says, I want to buy a couple dozen reindeer. We're going to bring them back to Alaska and we're going to breed them and herd them and integrate them into the ecosystem. And she convinces them to sell it some reindeer and for the next four years Changanook and Charlie help Captain Healy bring over 1300 reindeer into Alaska. Holy shit, what? Yeah. I also need to pause because I know a lot of environmentalists and it was in the back of my mind too are going to be like invasive species, this is what's wrong with our world. I get it. I mean pheasant aren't native. A lot of things are not native because people brought them over one time. They didn't know. I'm not defending it but I'm like they didn't know at the time. They were just like they were just like we need a food source we need a food source we need to figure something out this works over here this lives over here it could probably live yeah. over here and, okay and that's what out. a lot of people did at the time they were just like we need food you have similar climates right we'll make it work we'll breed them we'll figure right. it out so it ends up working out really well though for the alaskan population and for changanuk herself so four years 1300 reindeer and then charlie so these four years he's an apprentice they call it a herding apprentice so then he starts learning learning how to effectively herd these animals and have them be very beneficial for the population of Alaska. After these four years, Charlie is able to secure an entire herd for him in Changanook. So by helping them get all these reindeer over, Changanook and Charlie struck a deal with these guys and said, okay, we get a herd after so many years. We own them, they're our property, and we're going to herd them and make money off of them. So they get 500. How much land do you need for that? A lot. Do you think hundreds? Yeah, he said yeah. 200 acres of open fields. It's a lot of land. Somebody correct it or love it. Wow, but let's assume then that... Changanook and Charlie have 500 reindeer. We'll even give them more and say 200 to 500 acres of land for these reindeer. That, I think, right there in itself is Mm -hmm. a lot of fucking money. So they started their business which mainly Changanook ran the business and because women weren't allowed to own or like have anything to do with their property, Charlie was, I mean, he helped, but he pretty much was just the nice face on the cover, like my reindeer. And then his wife did everything. Is she just beautiful? I'm just imagining that she's just 
beautiful. She is. I only have pictures of her when she was like older, but she's the most beautiful old lady. Wow. They described her that she had this wild curly hair and she's just like the cutest grandma. And she like looks like a woman that would own 500 reindeer. Honestly. Like as soon as I looked at her, I was like, yep, that woman owns reindeer. So what became of her? Did she? She did a lot of cool stuff. So during all this time, there was a really, really bad winter and straight north of where they live in the Arctic Circle, all these whalers mm-hmm. got trapped in some sea ice and they were starving. They were straight up like, we're going to die. The American government comes to Charlie and Changanik and says... We have these eight whaling ships with all this crew. They're going to starve. We need your help. Can we use some of your reindeer for meat? Have you help us ship it up there and deliver it to mm-hmm. them and basically save this whole crew? Changanuk agrees and says, okay, I'll help on one condition. You have to replace every single reindeer that you take. And then on top of that, because I'm giving you a lot of my reindeer, you have to give me extra reindeer because now you're cutting into like all the baby reindeer that I would have had in the spring. And then I'll help you. And the government agrees and says, yep, you can have what you want. We, like, desperately need your reindeer. So then she's doubled her inventory inventory already. So she now is starting to rake in a fuck ton of money. Like, so much money. Her and Charlie, they become, like, one of the richest couples in Alaska. Mm -hmm. They're the only native couple to own reindeer at this time. Anyone else that owns reindeer are white settlers or traders. This is so cool. Right? And I'm like... I'm pretty sure people in Alaska know about her, but I'm not from Alaska, so I have no idea. They are making so much money, and they're at their peak of their life living in this Cape known place, and it's great. And then, unfortunately, Charlie gets sick, and he dies in 1900. So he gets the measles and dies, like, very quickly. And that leaves Changanuk completely by herself with all these reindeer and all this money and all these assets. At the time, we obviously know women couldn't own property. Native women couldn't own property. And you have... See episode two. <laughs> See all the previous episodes about owning property. We talk about We it. do. We actually do. So yeah, so she's native. She's a woman. She can't own property. And without a husband, all of her assets are supposed to be given to the male siblings. So she has male yep. brothers, but she doesn't... So all of her brother-in-laws are like... Hmm. Give me all your reindeer. Give me all your assets. Give me all this money that you worked so fucking hard to make. She says no, and she's like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this business. Like, no. So she brings them to court, and she has this whole long legal battle with them and fights and fights and fights and fights and finally wins. But even though she was granted permission legally, everyone in Cape Nome would not leave her the fuck alone. So even though she had, like, legal papers saying, yes, you can own all this property and take control mm-hmm. of all all these assets, men would still come. And I want to preface, I don't think it was, I mean, maybe it was a mixture of people of her native tribe, like her brother-in-laws, but a lot of it was traders and white settlers. So at the time, gold was discovered in Alaska. It blows up. All these people come to mine for gold and make it rich. And Cape Nome is one of the major places that gold is found because it's found on the beach. So they don't even really have to go too far to get gold and to make a lot of money. 20,000 people come to that area in one year. Just flood this town. So here's Changanuk with all of her reindeer, used to living completely by herself in the middle of nowhere. She had all this property to herself and she never really had to deal with anybody. Suddenly now there's this huge influx of miners. And with it, obviously, they bring all this disease like we were talking about at the beginning. They bring influenza and mumps and measles and all these things and they're coming to this town. Yeah, it's really bad. So all this destruction starts happening and all of these native tribes and families start to die because Mm -hmm. they don't have an immune system for that. So now all these tribes and people that were living around Cape Nome and were living around St. Michael are getting really sick and dying because all of these gold miners are coming into town and taking over. At first, she was really welcoming of the miners because they brought in a lot of business Mm -hmm. and they were paying her and they were being pretty nice to her and being respectful. And then it got to the point where they just wreaked havoc on this town and this community. They see Changanuk by herself with all these reindeer and they're like, can I have some of your reindeer? Every day constantly they're just like, I'll give you alcohol for your reindeer or like I'll pay you for your reindeer or I'll marry you for your reindeer. And she's literally like, get the fuck away from me. Like, let me just like have my reindeer and have my money and do me by myself. They're obviously being nice at first and they're like, oh, I love you. 
like, oh, but they secretly just want all of her money and all of her reindeer. And then they start threatening her and then they start trying to steal stuff from her. And then they actually like, there was a story that they shot at her and her herd to try to get her herd to run away. So then they could be like, not on your property anymore. They're mine now. And she was done. So she was just like, nope, picking up all my reindeer and I'm getting the fuck out of here. And I don't know how she does this because at the time now she has 1500 reindeer. So she's tripled her reindeer and she just picks them up and moves them. So I don't, if anyone's a herder, how do you yeah, do that? Let us, let us know because we don't know. And it, it didn't say no anything idea. in the story. It was literally just like one sentence. She picked up all of her reindeer and moved across Alaska. I mean, maybe if you, yeah, if you have a herder, you can just like herd them across. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you'd lose a couple, but at the end of the day, I mean, she was rich because right now she is the richest woman in Alaska right now at the time. And then had the largest, out of everybody, not just the area, out of all of Alaska, she had the largest reindeer herd and the most money. And she was a single badass lady. So she moves, falls in love again with a guy named Andrew. I think she specifically fell in love with him because he didn't give a fuck about reindeer. He wanted nothing to do with them. Didn't care about them. Was just like, yep. Changanuk, you do your thing with your reindeer. I just love you and want to marry you, and I don't care that you're filthy rich. Cute. I know. It was really cute. So they get married, and she still runs her reindeer business, and I'm assuming he's probably just, like, a rich piece of arm candy or something, you know, did that just, like, hung around and did some random shit. She continues to be just this amazing woman. So the rest of the time, there's not a lot of things on her. She pretty much does this right up until the day she dies. But she adopts 11 children. Wow. Yeah, and I don't know if it was a mixture between her and Charlie and then her and Andrew through the adoptions, or it was all after Charlie died, but it said in her lifetime she adopted 11 children, and they were all children orphaned by the disease and the destruction that came with the gold miners and came with all the settlers and the traders. She would find these families that are dying and that are sick, and she would take in all their kids. And then she also would take in anybody that was poor, anybody that didn't have shelter, anybody that was hungry, anyone that was ill. She would be like, yep, come live with me. We'll figure it out. We'll get you like up on your feet again. Using her money for really awesome, good things. Very cool. Yeah, so she ran this business. She taught her kids and they took it over and she pretty much just like helped all of the native people in the area and all the native tribes in the area up until she died in 1948. With it, she left this legacy of compassion, courage, and generosity. And not to mention, she was like the savviest businesswoman and made literal millions of dollars. So that's my girl. So she... That's fun. Wow, dude. It was kind of short and sweet, but she was cool. So I had to tell her. Absolutely. That's Sinrock Mary or Changanek, whichever you want to describe her as dope very cool dude that's awesome thank you for sharing you're welcome i really liked the whole reindeer aspect of the story i like the reindeer yeah i like that i know nothing about any sort of agriculture anything i don't i mean i did grow up in an agriculturally diverse area but no reindeer i don't think no and i mean i know enough about ecosystems and food sources you know like that sort of stuff but i feel like alaska is so different but yeah this woman apparently is a local hero if you talk to anybody in alaska apparently a lot of people know about her and i think just everyone else in the world didn't get clued in didn't get the memo they didn't no well now you know yeah so there was a little bit of like really heavy heavy beginning leave her on a light reindeer note absolutely i'll drink to that i'll drink a a beer mosa to that and i'm gonna smoke my pen there we go Cheers! Cheers. Cute. Until next time. See our corresponding Instagram posts for any additional resources, or feel free to reach out to our direct email at untoldhistory, spelled H-I-G-H-S-T-O-R-Y, at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram.